Good morning. You know, here we are this morning. Uh, I am here in the sanctuary. We are preparing to come back together in the sanctuary as a community of believers on June the 7th. So I wanted to come back in today and, and begin that process for me of being back here in the sanctuary. I've spent a few weeks preaching to the, to the camera at home and now I am preaching here again to our sanctuary. It's empty, unfortunately. I, but uh, I know you're behind the lens, and so I've come to you this morning this way. I pray that your week has been blessed. I pray that this day will be blessed. And let's let's go to the Word of God this morning. You know, I remember back uh, one of my first classes I ever took at Howard Payne University was a class on women in ministry. And the professor came in um, with a with a joke that morning, and he said, you know, everything I've ever learned from women in the Bible are things that I shouldn't do or that I should do. He said, from Eve, I learned to do my, my own shopping or at least to pick my own fruit. He said, from, from Rachel and Leah, I learned to always look under the veil and make sure what it was that I'm getting. From Delilah, he said, I learned to always use a male barber. Now, there was a point this week that that might have been the extent of my sermon. Um, as I prayed again over this, we are in our uh, series, the And God Created Woman, the Great and Not-So-Great Women of the Bible. And, uh, you know, the whole point of the series has been to find what we can learn from the women in the Bible. Not the men around them, but the women themselves. And so, it's very easy this morning to look at Samson in our story, as a flawed character. And there are so many great sermons about Samson that we will probably come back to in our relationship together. Um, you know, we have irony, we have inconsistency, we have all of those things. But in the midst of this story, we get this name that, that people recognize. We get this name that... Uh, that always has a negative connotation. And so that name is Delilah. When I say Delilah, you know who that is. You understand who Delilah is. And so um, here we come today looking at Delilah and what we can learn about Delilah. What does she show us about life? What does she show us about God? What does she show us about following God or the things that we should do in our life? And so this morning, if you uh, are able, turn to Judges in the 16th chapter. And we will read it this morning as we look at the story of Delilah and her relationship with Samson. And there it says in verse 1, Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute and went to bed with her. When the Gazites heard that Samson was there, they surrounded the place and waited in ambush for him all that night at the city gate. And while they were waiting quietly, they said, let us wait until dawn, then we will kill him. But Samson stayed in bed until midnight. When he got up, took hold of the doors of the city gate along with the two gateposts, pulled them out, bar and all. He put them on his shoulders, took them to the top of the mountain overlooking Hebron. Sometime later, he fell in love with a woman named Delilah, who lived in the Sorek Valley. Philistine leaders went to her and said, Persuade him to tell you where his great strength comes from, so we can overpower him, tie him up, and make him helpless. Each of us will then give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me, where does your great strength come from? How could someone tie you up and make you helpless? And Samson told her, If they tie me up with seven fresh bowstrings, 
that have not been dried, I will become weak and be like any other man. The Philistine leaders brought her seven fresh bowstrings that had not been dried. And she tied them up. And while the men in ambush were waiting in her room, she called out, Samson, the Philistines are here. But he snapped the bowstrings as a strand of yarn snaps when it touches fire. The secret of his strength remained unknown. Then Delilah said to Samson, You have mocked me and told me lies. Won't you please tell me how you can be tied up? He told her, If they tie me up with new ropes that have never been used, I'll become weak and be like any other man. So Delilah took new ropes, tied him up with them, and shouted, Samson, the Philistines are here. But while the men in ambush were waiting in her room, he snapped the ropes off his arms like a thread. Then Delilah said to Samson, You have mocked me all along and told me lies. Tell me now how you can be tied up. He told her, If you weave the seven braids on my head with the web of a loom. And she fastened the braids with a pin and called to him, Samson, the Philistines are here. He awoke from his sleep and pulled out the pin with the loom and the web. How can you say I love you, she told him, when your heart is not with me? This is the third time you have mocked me and told me what makes, and not told me what makes your strength so great. And because she nagged him day after day and pleaded with him until she wore him out, he told her the whole truth and said to her, My hair has never been cut because I am a Nazarite to God from birth. If I am shaved, my strength will leave me, and I will become weak and be like any other man. When Delilah realized that he had told her the whole truth, she sent this message to the Philistine leaders. Come, one more time, for he has told me the whole truth. The Philistine leaders came to her and brought the money with them. Then she let him fall asleep on her lap, and she called a man to shave off his seven braids on his head. In this way, she made him helpless, and his strength left him. Then she cried, Samson, the Philistines are here. And when he awoke from his sleep, he said, I will escape as I did before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Can you pray with me this morning? Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now that you would take this time this morning, Father, use it for your glory. Father, use me as a vessel. May the words that I speak be yours and yours alone. Father, we thank you and we praise you. And we ask all of these things in the name of your son Jesus and for his sake. And all God's people said, Amen. You know, a story, it's a strange story. It's a story within a story. We know of Samson's weakness for a pretty face, right? He, he has always stumbled when it comes to women. His first wife was also not of Israelite blood and and we know that he had fallen in love with her and, and she had told off the riddle that he made and, and he had to go and do the things that he did there. So we know his weakness is women. But the story plays out here that Samson falls in love. 
and the leaders ask Delilah for help, and she begins to ask, new bowstrings, nope, new rope, nope, tie my braids, nope. And finally, it says, after she wore him out or nagged him to death in some texts, he tells her of the vow, and by cutting his hair, the vow was broken. She puts him to sleep in her lap, calls in a man to cut his hair, and then he calls out. She calls out and says, Samson, they're here, and they capture him. They blind him, they shackle him, they imprison him, they force him to labor, and there is so much there that we will save for later. Right now, our our goal is Delilah and what we can learn from her. And as I read this and looked over it, the truth is, the first thing we find from Delilah here is that when we act in selfishness, our relationships are inevitably flawed. We know Samson loved Delilah. The text tells us that. Sometime later, he fell in love with a woman named Delilah. What we don't know is whether or not Delilah loved Samson or if she could have ever loved Samson. We know that she was offered basically 5,000 shekels of silver. That's three times the weight of gold that Gideon had after the victory of Midian. 400 shekels of silver as it was Abraham purchased a grave with. 50 shekels David paid Aruna for his oxen and his threshing floor. 17 shekels Jeremiah paid to purchase the field. 30 shekels was set as a price for a slave in Exodus chapter 21 verse 32. So what she has offered here is an extreme amount of money. The minute Delilah entertained this bribe, she began to act out of selfishness. She may have loved Samson. She may have had feelings for him. She may have believed that there was a future there because this was Samson. His renown was great. People knew this man. He was a man's man. He was the the muscular guy. He was, you know, the WWE wrestler of his day. He was the man. So she may have had some attraction there. She may have had some love there. But when these people came in and they offered her 5,500 shekels of silver, when they offered her an an ungodly amount of money, she began to think. And the minute she began to entertain the bride, she began to act out of selfishness. In that moment, a relationship with Samson would always ultimately be flawed. How often do we fall prey to the same thing? That we put a price on our relationships. My wants are more important than my spouse. My desires might be more important than my children's. Maybe my preferences are more important than my congregations. How often does that happen? How often does it happen that we act out of selfishness because we have put a price on something? that shouldn't have a price on it. I've often told people and when, I would, when I would go to them about premarital counseling that they need to get rid of this idea that marriage is a 50-50 relationship because marriage needs to be a 100-100 relationship. Each of you giving 100% of who you are and what you are to the other. We should never go into this saying, I'm only going to give half of what I am because what happens is we begin to find things. One thing that that always happens is when we begin to put our wants in front of others' wants, 
we begin to see them as less important. Delilah, we don't know a whole lot about her, but we do know that 5,500 shekels of silver was going to change her life. You know, oftentimes what happens is you find in congregations people who have one preference for this or one preference for that. And, you know, 30 years ago that was music. It was, well, I don't want this instrument or that instrument. I only want this instrument. Or it was pews versus chairs. I want pews. I would never sit in chairs. Or it was something else. There are some churches that, that fall apart over stupid things. The colors of carpet. The colors of pew cushions. There was one that I've told you about before, I believe, that split over the fact that they were painting a mural in their foyer and they couldn't agree over whether or not Adam and Eve would have belly buttons. We find at times that our selfishness gets in the way. And when we begin to act in selfishness, our relationships will be flawed. This relationship started, any relationship started for selfish desires will soon come to trouble. Samson sought her out. He had just been with the prostitute not too long before that. Samson was looking for something. Now the story goes even further though. Because the further this story goes, the more agitated she becomes. Have you noticed that? First, she's lovey-dovey with Samson. Man, Samson, why are you so strong, you stud? Mm. What makes you so strong? How could someone make you weak? That should have thrown up red flags for Samson, but Samson's a different story, right? Here she is. I mean, she gets agitated because what happens? She begins to say, wait a minute, you lied to me. She asks again, wait a minute, you lied to me. She asks a third time, wait a minute, you lied to me. And as she goes on, she gets more and more and more agitated. You know, when I start acting selfishly in my relationships, it's easy to spot because I lose all my patience. I start snapping at the smallest things. I start saying mean things and bad things. When we're living in relationships selfishly, we get mad easily when things don't go our way because we're always trying to get our way. It's easy to know when I'm being selfish because I don't want to hear what other people have to say. It's easy to know when I'm being selfish because I, I don't care what your opinion is. I know my opinion's right. It's easy to know when I'm being selfish because I'll get angry when you would dare say that what I say isn't the correct way of knowing things. Delilah, you know, you, you got to get that money. You got to get that money. I can't be rich without that money. You know, she could have been enriched in relationship if she would just stop and think. Samson loved her. The Bible tells us that. Samson could have been the great love of her life. She could have had riches in other ways. But that money kept flashing in her mind and it, and it began to, to eat at her because she had to have the money. And he was keeping her from getting her money. You know, when we make selfish decisions... It affects those around us or our actions affect others negatively. You know, I don't know that Delilah knew the extent of what would happen to Samson. They asked her, persuade him to tell you where his great strength comes from so we can overpower him, tie him up, and make him helpless. And that's all they said to her. I don't know that she knew what was going to happen. We had not told that in, in the story. We're not told that she knew they were going to tie him up and gouge his eyes out and put him to forced labor. She might not have known all of that. 
There are several characters in Scripture to that way. Another one's Judas. When you look at the story of Judas, Judas goes to the, to the Pharisees to betray Jesus. But what is he betraying Jesus to do? There is some evidence that simply says that Judas was saying, Jesus, I'm going to make you be the Messiah. If you're not going to lead this revolution, I'm going to force your hand. We don't know that Judas actually knew what was going on. He just knew that he was trying to get something to happen. And so I don't know that Delilah understood that. But the actions that she took in her selfishness were directly affecting someone around her. The things we do and don't do affect those around us. If I work all the time, it affects those around me. You know, ever since this stuff has started and, and I've spent time putting videos together, Carrie said several times, you know, we see you less now that you're at home all the time because you're always doing stuff. If we allow the things that we do and the things that we don't do to, to come out negatively, it'll affect people around us. If I go driving while I've been drinking, I may, I may hit someone. I may maim them. I may kill them. And it'll affect people around us. If I find myself cheating in my relationships, uh, I, I, in laws, in things like that, if I cheat just a little bit, I think, oh, no one's going to know. No one's going to find out. But the problem with that is it affects those around us negatively. If I'm doing danger, dangerous things, it can affect people around me. If I get in the car and, and I drive 100 miles an hour from here to Fort Worth, the people around me, in the cars around me, in the car with me, wherever I'm at, my actions affect them. When we do things selfishly, it affects those around us negatively. I have horror stories from my dad about the effects of his parents' choices. Um, actually, I was out here on 377, passing through Granbury one day. We were on our way to go hunting. Um, and I had little Debbie brownies with me. And I was like, Dad, do you want one? He said, no thanks, I don't like dog food. And I said, what are you talking about dog food? These are brownies. He said, they taste like, just like dog food. And I said, how would you know that? And he commenced to tell me a story about how he and his siblings opened the dog food and ate them one time because mom and dad weren't bringing groceries home. And why weren't they bringing groceries home? Because they had spent it all somewhere else doing things to feed their selfish desires rather than to take care of the needs of those around them. There is never any choice we make that doesn't affect those around us. Many times, what we're trying to do or have them do or how we go about that reveals our true colors. If we try to force people to do things that we want them to do, if we try to, to manipulate them into a corner, if we try to make them do the things that only we have chosen, it begins to show who we really are, which brings us to a major point here. Love that applies pressure or is deceitful is not love at all. Let's reiterate that. Let's restate that again. Love that applies pressure or is deceitful is not love at all. Samson's lying to Delilah. Delilah is pressuring him to give her an answer. 
And some translations, like I said, say because she nagged him to death. There's pressure on both sides here. There's deceit on both sides here. All these things that are happening. You know, we use this passage a lot uh, to youth to talk about sex. And we're shocked here that this is in reverse. If you really love me, you would do what I ask. That's essentially what Delilah's saying, right? That's essentially what's being said from her mouth. You know, I, I would talk to youth and I would say, here's what's going on. Love isn't love if there's pressure involved. Love isn't love if, if you feel like you have to do something to prove your love. Because that isn't love. That's control. That's fantasy. That's lust. It's not love. Delilah here is coming to Samson and she's saying, if, if you really loved me, you would tell me what makes you so strong. If you really loved me, you would tell me how to make you weak. But you don't really love me because you keep lying to me. You don't really love me. It's not love. So what's the major point? Well, it reveals something about at the heart of who God is here. God is a gentleman. He, he asks. He knocks. He waits. He's, he's not dishonest. He, he doesn't pressure. God is love. Not the love of Samson and Delilah. Not the love of the hormonal young adult. God is love. God courts people. He, he takes his time and, and he goes and he, he shows his love in various ways. And he, if he makes an offer, simply follow me. Be mine. That's, that's the only offer he makes. He doesn't say, if you will just do this, then you can be mine. That's not what he says. He doesn't say, well, if you really love me, you would follow everything that I've asked you to do. And if you ever mess up, you don't really love me. God doesn't do that. God simply says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. God doesn't force anything on anybody, not even heaven. God doesn't even force heaven on people. I don't know how many people have, have come to me and said, but Brother Troy, it doesn't make any sense that God would make heaven and send somebody to hell. He doesn't send anybody to hell. And He doesn't send anybody to heaven. We make that choice. God just shows us love. And He gives us an opportunity to love Him and to follow Him. And because He does that, we know that it's love because His love doesn't apply pressure. And it's not deceitful. You know, love in our society has been completely perverted. We have changed it. We are supposed to be examples of love. 
But we don't have that. Not God's love. Not in Judges 16. Shakespeare says in Sonnet 116, Love is not love which alters when it alteration finds or bends with the remover to remove. Oh no, it is an ever fixed mark. And that fixed mark is God. That fixed mark is the cross. The moment of atonement. Love is given and chosen freely without pressure or deceit. That's God's love. That's who God is. That's what God wants from us. That's it. God doesn't apply a pressure. He doesn't deceive us. He simply comes and says, here is the mark. Here is the spot in time. Here is what you need to accept. Come, my child, follow me, and I will give you rest and peace in a weary world. But the final thing today that we need to remember is that many times the bad we do is remembered much easier than all the good. Delilah is in the Bible not for any good that she did, but for the bad. How will you be remembered today? How will you be remembered in this time? When people look back on you, will you be remembered for the good that you did or for the pain that you wrought? What is it that you'll be remembered for? You know, this morning, you may be struggling with the things that that Delilah has taught us. You may be struggling with this idea of selfishness because it is so easy in this world to get consumed with what I think should happen and with what I want. It's easy to make choices based on me. Maybe this morning you're ready to let all that go. Maybe you don't want flawed relationships. Maybe you do not want to have your choices and your decisions and your actions affecting everyone else negatively. Maybe you have realized this morning that you have been in relationships of love that are not love at all because you have been applying pressure or have a pressure applied to you and there is so much deceit that it cannot be true love. Maybe this morning what you are looking for is the love of God. Maybe this morning you want to see that fixed mark. Maybe you do not want someone who's going to come in and change you and make you be someone different, but someone who is going to come in and do the change themselves inside you. Because Jesus, when He comes, He doesn't say, please change to follow Me. He says, follow Me, and I guarantee you, you will change. There is a radical difference in the love of God and how it works in our lives and how the love of those who are simply trying to get their way act and react. Maybe today you have been stuck with the love that says you have to do this to prove that you love me. Jesus doesn't ask for proof. He just simply asks that you follow You know, Delilah is a strange character and we look at her and we have these feelings where we just simply want to, we want to grr and we want to growl and we want to get so upset because of what she did. But if we're all honest, Delilah is a character that we can empathize with because if someone offered us an ungodly sum of money to sell out someone that we've just met, We're liable to do it because we make selfish choices over a lot less. 
Maybe this morning you're ready to get rid of your selfishness. Now's the time. Maybe this morning you're ready to walk away from relationships that aren't based on true love, but they're based on pressure. Now's the time. Maybe this morning you want to make a change that says, I'm going to be remembered as a follower of God and be an example of His love in the world. Now's the time. As I pray, give this, these, these needs to God. And if you don't know Jesus this morning, give those needs to Him. Repeat after me in the prayer. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now that you would make every need known, Father. Father, if anyone wants to lay down their selfishness, let them lay it down at the foot of the cross today. If anyone needs to walk away from, from hard, bad relationships, Father, let them do that today. If anyone today wants to start over and live a life that is worthy of the calling, let them do that today. But Father, if there's anyone here who does not know you as Savior, if there's anyone here who's never made that choice, Father, I pray that they would pray with me right now and repeat after me, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know that I need a Savior. Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of all sin. Be Lord of my life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. We ask all these things in the name of your Son, Jesus, and for His sake. Amen. All right, guys, that's it for the day. Can't wait for the day that we get back here and we get here in person. It's only three weeks away, two weeks away now. So be, prayer, be in prayer that we get everything together, that everything's put where it needs to be. Pray for those of us who are getting things ready. And I hope that you are blessed this week. But until next time, love each other deeply from the heart. Have a blessed week.